You are listening to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast presented by Realm of the Mist Entertainment with your host, John Tolley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. We are coming to you tonight from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. Joining me today, as always, is Mr. Christopher Stolle. But I want to go to I want to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> that was and... a pretty good impression. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. And also, the voice you just heard is uh, one of the newest members of Realm of the Mist. You can catch him every week on Press A Gaming. Every it other is, week. By week. Uh, every other week. Oh, my apologies. Uh, Keith, welcome. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Yes, uh, like him, Press A Gaming is by. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually be banned, but that's a whole other podcast. Oh, welcome to It Had to Be Said, and John is now Venus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the 21st century, and you know. Exactly. It's a transformation. <laughs> uh, Poof, there he was. For, for, so, a hot, for a hot Canadian girl, you got a pretty bitch and beard. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, hey, there you go. <laughs> um, well, let's try to start off with a little bit of news today. It was recently announced and confirmed that the new series, the uh, next movies, will be the Benioff and Weiss uh, movies. So, uh, what are you guys' thoughts? And the second question would be: Is if these three movies are going to be the Benioff and Weiss movies, then what is happening with the Brian Johnson trilogy? Do you guys think? Ryan Johnson trilogy is still on hold for everybody to die down on their bitching about episode eight, but it's still happening. Benioff and yeah. Weiss trilogy makes the most sense. They just got done with Game of Thrones and to really win back the Star Wars fans. If rumors are to believe and it's pretty much all but but announced Benioff and Weiss's trilogy is the old republic. Yeah, mm. we're we're definitely going to the old republic for the next trilogy. It you know it kind of fits with with a they've established a pattern at this point of with the original trilogy was of course the uh, New Hope saga, mm-hmm. which you know was Luke's journey, hero's journey, and then years later we got the prequel trilogies to tell Vader's story, mm-hmm. and so. Now that we've jumped forward again after the prequel trilogy to the continuation, uh, we've yet again followed a character on a hero's journey with, I would say, a hell of a lot more references to the uh, Jedi's um, legacy mm-hmm. in the new in the newer newer movies, like. Luke having all of the sacred Jedi texts and and referencing a thousand generations of Jedi before you, they're definitely building up references to that old Republic. 
So it would make sense following the pattern of before, of after the end of the uh, Skywalker saga, jumping back to the Old Republic to try and lay the seeds of how we got there in the first place. You know, I want to I want to jump on that a second. I know we're going to be talking about uh, the original trilogy mostly this time around, uh, but with the sequel trilogy, I think that's one thing they've been doing right as far as the Jedi Order is concerned. A lot of people had issues from the original trilogy to the prequels, uh, where the prequels treated the Jedi's more as intergalactic police officers and mm-hmm. the Force being kind of a blood disease. And I think, you know, the midichlorian thing. But yeah. uh, but I think the sequel trilogy has really done a lot in putting it back into the sacred religion mm-hmm. that that Jedi was supposed to be. Yeah, and I think I think if 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 uh, Zepp is correct with the uh, with the pattern, I think the old Republic will reflect that even more, where the Jedi were more monk and less, like I said, uh, keepers of the peace. Well, yeah. for the prequel trilogy, it was the end of the Jedi, pretty much the end of the Jedi's existence for the most part, until we got to Luke in yeah. uh, the original trilogy. So mm-hmm. with Order 66 being what it was, that possible knowledge that they could have developed of, hey, these things are either indicators of being Force-sensitive or they help us um, interface with the Force, for lack of a better term, since my brain couldn't think of it. Um, They might have learned that relatively recently in the Jedi uh, Council and Jedi Order's existence, and that knowledge was probably lost after Order 66. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I understand the reason for the presence of it in the sequel trilogy. It was pretty much pointing out that this Jedi Order is a little bit more technologically advanced than we've seen before. Yeah. Because by the time this uh, the prequel trilogy rolled around, we had the extended universe. We had seen mm-hmm. some of the old Republic. Oh, stories. yeah. Oh no, and and I absolutely agree with you, and I, I don't I don't take away what George Lucas created, in any way, shape, or form with the prequel trilogies. I mean, I can live without the midichlorians. I get his reasonings for using it, uh, was was simply to to really tell you how powerful Vader was. That's what it was. But trying to quantify yeah. the Force, I think, was a was a bad mistake in my personal opinion. But yeah. for the sake uh, sake of argument, I understand that the Jedi. Besides their hubris, the Jedi evolved to fit the world that they were in now in the Galactic Republic, in the fall of the Galactic Republic, you know. Yeah. And, of course, like you said, in, in the you know, <coughs> extended universe and in the, the lore of the Old Republic, whether it's Knights of the Old Republic or otherwise, they weren't so much the same as, they, as we saw in the prequels because, again, they evolved over time. Yeah. Right. We, like in in the terms of like the canon, we're talking the difference of like thousands of uh, hundreds of years. Like, yeah, Luke wasn't kidding when he said thousands of generations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Uh, the other thing I wanted to, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, the uh, redoing, the fan today redo of the uh, the the duel between Obi Wan and um, Vader on the Death Star. Have you guys yeah, seen that? That was what, really well done. I didn't like it. I didn't either. I mean, I thought it was well done, but from a personal standpoint, I still like the original better because, in my mind, especially if you watch. The duel between Obi Wan and Anakin on Mustafar at the end of Episode Three, and then watch their duel on the Death Star. Every move, every action, every word that is said has so much meaning between behind it. And I think by adding a whole bunch of flair and flash, it takes away from that just the just the meaning of that duel and how and what it meant for the saga and, you know, and just, like I said, just everything that was said just had so much weight behind it. Even though it wasn't a flashy duel, it wasn't, you know, fast. It had a lot of meaning to it. And I think personally taking all, putting all the flash and bells and whistles was just kind of like you take away from that. I agree. I I agree with it about as much as Greedo shooting first. You're I, I like like Zepp said, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, uh, you know, oh, yeah. It, it definitely was masterwork. I'm not taken away from the artist at all. I'm taken away from the need for the scene to even exist. Mm-hmm. What we got in episode four, which back in 1977, we didn't understand we got yet was an aging Jedi master versus a almost fully robotic man who has a clunky suit who can't use a tenth of his ability. Yeah. And that was represented well in episode four, especially as you said, when it's compared to the rest of Vader's story. Yeah. Um, but the adding the flash and flare to me is like changing storylines. Again, Han shot first in the original cut when Lucas decided to go back and change it to make Han seem less of a scumbag. It ruined that scene. To me, yeah. that's exactly what this does. Even though it's not in the movie itself, that's exactly what this did for me. Is it, it ruined the meaning of that scene? I, I don't know. I liked it, but I'm kind of a sucker for fight scenes. I think it's carryover from uh, like in old kung fu movies. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a, a well choreographed fight scene. Yeah. So am I. If you if you would have done. For the sake of argument, uh, Vader chasing down Quaylen Voss in that in that style, I wouldn't have had an issue. But because yeah. it was changing the scene that already exists between old Obi Wan Kenobi and Vader, I don't think it was necessary. Yeah, I mean, I get why you know it was just like oh, a what if, and I don't mind what ifs, but yeah, you know, to me, just personally, it was like. Yeah, I prefer the I prefer the original version. That's just me. Yeah, I'm not saying anybody who likes it is wrong. If you like it, you oh, like no. it. I'm just saying yeah. for me, it just didn't do it for me. It, it felt unnecessary. Although kudos yeah. kudos to the person who edited it, edited it together. It was really yes. well done. Just yeah. not not the scene I would want to see. Yeah. Well, I'll. All right, then, let's go right into our main topic. We are going to be starting a, a short three-week series on 
the last of the Jedi Knights, Luke Skywalker today, starting with um, his kind of the first time we see him throughout the original trilogy. Uh, we're going to do this week, we're going to be doing Luke, the hero's journey. Next week, we'll be doing Luke, the myth. And then we're going to be start stopping or ending with uh, what I'm calling the uh, not the fallen hero, but the broken hero, uh, Luke in the new canon and in um, the new movies. And just m- maybe even doing a little compare and contrast to how he was portrayed in the old canon and the new canon. But right now we're going to start with um, the OG Luke, if, if you will. And I think it's interesting because the first time we meet Luke, uh, and I'm not counting the prequels when he was a baby, because we don't really get to see anything of of him and that much of him in that. But in the original trilogy, he's at an interesting point in his life. He's, and I think all of us have gone through that. Gone through. I mean, we're all at the um, of you know old enough to have gone through that stage where he's not quite an adult, but he's not a kid anymore, and he's looking for that. He's at that age where he's wanting to kind of step out from under the his parental guidance in this case his aunt and uncle and kind of go off on his own but at the same time he's at this weird stage in his life and i think that's kind of indicative of what we see when he's like oh i want to go to tashi station he's still wanting to be with his friends and hang out with his friends but he's a bit same- of an angsty teenager in the first yeah. part of the movie yeah angsty is mean- a nice way of putting it <laughs> Yeah, whiny he's whiny. teenager. <laughs> yes, but so was his dad. I mean, really. But we didn't know dad... that back in the day. Uh, back when we yeah. first got introduced to Luke, Luke was a whiny teenager who was an everyman character. Who, who, you know, at the time he thought his father was a spice freighter captain. Yeah, you know, not a not a war hero, and certainly yeah. not Darth Vader. You know. Yeah, <laughs> and he well, li- uh, he lived a boring life on a farm on a desert planet, a farm that he collects was, water. And he's wanting to get away, and like I said, you know, he's he's at that stage where he's wanting to kind of spread his wings and show his independence. And I think it's interesting, also, the difference between how his uncle Owen responds to him and how Aunt Beru is. Uncle Owen seems to just want to keep him there, you know, whether it's for his own selfish means because, hey, I have a lot of work to do and I need extra hands, or if he's just afraid to let him go out into the wider galaxy, or as Aunt Beru seems more consigned to, He's getting older. He's going to have to go and spread his wings and go out there and find himself. And that's, you know, you can see that in the line when she tells him he has a lot of his father in him. Which scared the hell out of Uncle Owen. Oh, yeah. But, oh, you, yeah. but you also got to remember, too, uh, on the on the desert planet of Tatooine, uh, if you look at the original scripting and it, read the uh, original novel, the Del Rey novel that was released as episode four was released. Um, there's obviously deleted scenes and all that in there and interactions with Luke and other characters you didn't see in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. Luke had a nickname named Wormy. His mm. best friend was uh, Dak Dark or uh, Biggs Darklighter. Yeah. 
who protected him because Luke was very much picked on. A lot of people didn't like Luke, especially for his proclivities to exaggerate. Yeah. Luke had a bad habit of like wanting attention from the older kids around this like Tashi station and all that yeah. he would exaggerate things. That's why like when he saw the battle happening above uh, above Tatooine, you know, through mm-hmm. his micro binoculars and he tried to go tell everybody, nobody believed him. Yeah. You know, Luke Luke was I don't want to say a troublemaker, but he was seeking acceptance from people back yeah. then. Yeah. Um, so what, another thing I really found interesting and it would, I think it really interesting to get well, in this case to get Mark Hamill or even George Lucas's take on this is his response. And we'll go back and we'll go into him meeting Obi-Wan and all that. But, uh, since we're talking about his relationship with uncle Owen and Aunt Beru was his response to their death. Yeah. It was very, it wasn't cavalier, but it was very much, wow, that sucked. Well, I might as well, there's nothing for me here. He seemed to be more upset about the death of Obi-Wan, someone that he really had only known for, a, I mean, really, really known for just a little while. You know, he had known about crazy old Ben, but... To, compared to the people that had raised him from basically the time he was a baby. I, I think part of that reaction was more due to Mark Hamill's inexperience as an actor at the time. Because mm. he, yeah. he was an unknown when George Lucas cast him as Luke. Yeah. Like, he did a couple uh, commercials and a soap opera, yeah. Yeah, th- there, yeah. Was, there was a... I, I distinctly remember hearing news about there being a big thing back then with Star Wars of executives being sure that the movie wasn't going to go anywhere because they didn't get a big A-list actor as the main character. Yeah. No, you're 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 not wrong. Uh, they were they were very worried about Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, and particularly Mark Hamill. As a matter of fact, the Lucas purposely picked up Peter Cushing and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi to, or, or excuse me, Alec Guinness to play Obi Wan and Tarkin respectively, to give the executives at least some named actor. Yeah, to to attach to the movie. So, well, I mean, yeah. Harrison Ford at the time was kind of famous. He was yeah. he was famous for another George Lucas movie though. He was yeah. he was at that point he was only really known for American Graffiti, which again yeah. he wasn't a main actor of. He was you know a background character to uh, uh, Ron Howard. Like I said, yeah. kind of famous. Yeah, yeah he he done a couple of World known. War Two movies. He was he was a known actor at the time. Yeah, he wasn't like an A list actor. He may have possibly made the B list at that time, but Luke wasn't even or, or Mark Hamill wasn't even C list. Yeah, he was like they—they they basically picked him up off the street. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, like I said at the time, yeah. I think he had a couple commercials and a couple soap opera appearances. Yeah. to his career. And, well, and and Carrie Fisher at least had the thing of he, she was Debbie Reynolds' daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. So you had you had that with Carrie. At least you had that. That it was like, oh, okay, this is you know Debbie Reynolds' daughter. 
But yeah, with Mark, it was you know complete unknown. Oh yeah, you got a bunch of unknown actors on a children's movie because Star Wars was was never taken seriously by executives or anything until till the day they saw it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. But uh, but yeah, it was it was considered a, a kids movie, and they never yeah. took it seriously. And when the budget kept going up, and it's like, wait a minute, we're putting this much money into a kids flick with these actors. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> well, even even the actors themselves didn't even. I mean, Mark Hamill's gone on record of saying he was showing the script to all his friends and uh, all his buddies, and you know, just like, "Yeah, hey, look at this crazy thing. What is this?" Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and then it was like, yeah. And then by the time Empire came around, it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um. But, Lucasfilm you know, was sitting there going, it prints money! <laughs> <laughs> and the fans destroyed that. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. Another thing, yeah. Another thing going back going back to Luke as far as like the Owen and Baru deaths, I think it was kind of the shock of it. I, mean, I agree with you that it was yeah. the experience of Mark Hamill and all, but I think what really came across was when he first saw that Owen and Baru were torched skeletons hanging out the the, the, the house the, the reaction I saw from him was oh shit now what am I going to do yeah you gotta remember that that day Luke had a lot of shit dropped on him finding out mm-hmm. his father was a Jedi and a war hero killed by Darth Vader but at least that's the way it was presented to him finding yeah. out that Obi-Wan was a Jedi looking directly down the emitter of a lightsaber Looking down the directly <laughs> down the emitter of a lightsaber, and then his aunt and uncle are killed, and his whole entire home gone. Yeah, well, I also that's thought about a this. lot of shit for somebody to deal with. <laughs> and I also I also thought about this is, you know, Tatooine wasn't exactly a. It was a rough area, and there's a lot of dangers and. He probably grew up realizing that there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. There's a lot of stuff that could happen, and you know, there's always the, there's always the risk of a Tuscan Raider uh, um, raid or all these different things. And he, he might have just been like, "Well, this is life on Tatooine." He getting, might... on, getting on the wrong side of a bookie over at the pod races. Yeah, it's probably yeah. probably life on Tatooine, but there's there's one other factor we got to think in too. Again, going back to what I what I said about like all the shit he found out right before their deaths. Yeah, you got to think there might have been a little bit of animosity too, realizing that his aunt and uncle have been lying to him his whole entire life. Yeah, yeah, that was that too, and I mean, it just always goes back to what was the relationship between with between them. I mean, how warm was it? Was it just did Uncle Owen see him as just another another hand? No. Or was it or was it, you know Owen Owen knew what Anakin did. Yeah. And Owen knew what Anakin became. I don't think yeah. Owen looked at, at Luke as uh as a uh extra hand and that's it i think owen really loved luke but i think owen was always scared of luke following in anakin's footsteps and he wanted to keep him as far away from that as possible well again you get that in that line where (laughs) oh it um, 
uh, Aunt Brew makes the line he has a lot of he has a lot of his father in him, and Owen's Uncle Owen's line is that's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, it's, it's not yeah. that it's not that Owen didn't love Luke or or didn't want Luke to be happy. Owen just wanted to keep Luke from ever discovering the truth and maybe going down the same road. He wanted he wanted yeah. Luke to to be happy being a moisture farmer out in the middle yeah. of nowhere where he's safe and where he can never become anything close to what his father became. Yeah. Can can, can we also appreciate the oh shit moment Obi-Wan must have had when they came across Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen? dead mm. like obi-wan must have had that oh shit moment of this is the kind of thing that sends people down the path of the dark side yeah <laughs> he must have been looking at luke like oh shit oh absolutely because yeah. he had to live through anakin and anakin's mother you know, and, yeah. and anakin was around about the same age as luke was when when his mother died yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, I could def I could definitely see that that maybe, you know, Obi Wan did kind of have that well this feels familiar. You know, type yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again we're talking but, we're talking I'm not about, gonna fuck it this time. I'm not gonna fuck it up this time. <laughs> well that's what I was gonna say is we had an older, wiser Obi Wan is like, Okay, well I know the warning signs now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he knew, I think he also knew he was wiser and he knew what to do to try and steer Luke towards a different path. He knew how to kind of like, okay, we're going to go this way. I made the mistake of doing this last time. This time I'm not going to make that mistake. Let's go this way. Um, runs runs into a scenario that's the kind of scenario that sends people down the path of the dark side. Immediately decides to take the young young kid to the most wretched hive of scum and villainy. Washington, D.C.? <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Eh, eh. Or if you're the other, our other host, Venus, that would be Ottawa, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Albany's up there. Yeah, Center, pre- Center City, Philadelphia. That's all I got to say. Anybody who's familiar with Philadelphia and its uh, city politics... Mm. It's basically Chica- a mini empire. Chicago. <laughs> that's Chicago, that's all I got to say. So anyway, Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah, Star Wars. Yes, yes. Um, but okay, well, let's, um, since we started talking about Obi-Wan, let's talk about his, Luke's relationship with Obi-Wan. And it becomes very strong very quickly. Well, and it doesn't take long before you they become very like a very strong bond between those two. Well, again, look at look at it from the standpoint of somebody who that that day learned about how many people he cared about lying to him. This yeah. guy, this guy, this this crazy old hermit, this crazy old wizard is the only one who was ever truthful to him. Yeah. And knew his father. So really, Obi Wan was kind of Luke latched onto Obi Wan for the simple fact of this is as close as I'm ever at that point. I'm ever going to get to my dad. Yeah, and now know who my dad actually was. 
Not to mention he gave him his dad's lightsaber, like. Yeah. So yeah, I, exactly. I think I think that immediately along... immediately scored brownie points. Right, and then automatically willing to train you in the ways of the Force. Wait, I could be like my dad? You just told me my dad was this great ba- warrior, and I could be a great warrior too? Mm-hmm. And you give me this cool flashy thing that I'm going to immediately put my eye to its emitter? <laughs> this is why we put safety locks uh, on, on cabinets, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the, the, trailer, the, the, the Star Wars saga could have ended very differently. differently. Oh, yes. Yes, it could have been like one of the... I've actually seen the meme where it's like, this is your father's lightsaber, and he's looking down next to him to see him the lightsaber ex- extending, going through a skull, written directly by George Lucas. I, I like I like the better version. Somebody actually made a video of it and took the scene, and when Luke is inspecting the lightsaber and looks like looks down the emitter, the uh, screen just suddenly goes to black, and you hear the lightsaber activation noise. <laughs> Isn't it, isn't it funny when we look at that scene where Luke's looking down the emitter, we're like, no, Luke, no. But when we go to Last Jedi and the Porgs are playing with the lightsaber before Ray picks it up, we were all disappointed that it didn't go off. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. To be fair, I was also disappointed it didn't go off in the original trilogy because I am a huge proponent of weapon safety. And <laughs> that was like a scene right out of a weapon safety video. <laughs> this is Luke. Like, Luke just got his father's laser sword. What is like, he doing I, wrong here? <laughs> I was imagining the freaking OSHA voiceover. <laughs> yes. Do not look down the emitter of a lightsaber. Ever. <laughs> Always use proper protective equipment. God. And a shitty 1980s music as it transitions to the next scene. See, I'm I'm got the 19 1950s like uh Flipping uh, uh, film, film roll type credits like, ah, uh, 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 Lukey, that's not how we handle that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's see what would have happened had he hit that emitter button. <laughs> <laughs> they're really bad. Yeah, they're really bad. Um, Just imagining uh, the the uh, Emperor's New Groove, Cusco with the marker, <laughs> pausing the movie. Right. Don't do this. This is bad. Well, you know, now that, now that Lucasfilm is owned by Disney, that could eventually happen. <laughs> Somebody's listening this to this podcast true. right now and it's like, you know what? I've got that program. I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> yes. yes, I believe I believe strongly every day that, that someone at Lucasfilm is is listening to this show. I, we've had that conversation before the, of uh, pro wrestling in the independence. You know, I firmly believe that the big league federations pay attention to the independence, not just for talent, but for story yeah. ideas, moves, stuff of that nature. Yeah. Take a drink, guys. Um, so I would not be surprised if, if Lu- they, Lucasfilm doesn't have it. Disney in general doesn't have people listening and scouring every freaking entertainment podcast they could find. Yeah. Just to see what people think or say. Yeah. 
if they're smart, that's exactly what they're doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just <laughs> thinking. I was just imagining. Audience. I was just imagining, you know, Kathleen Kennedy sitting down at her office listening to us every Wednesday. Like, I gotta listen to these guys. <laughs> she doesn't want to listen to us because I've I'm not been one of her greatest proponent proponent uh, people. Like yeah. I that's, love, that's, I love the films. I can't stand her politics and what she tries to force in the films. If you're smart, you're you're listening to the critics. Yeah, because they're the ones who are telling you what what your stuff really looks like. Yeah, but Star Wars is so hard because the fan base doesn't really look at it from a critical eye. Like we try to. Like yeah. even, even on things I don't like, like for the sake of argument, like L three 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 seven, you know, for a perfect example, I can't stand that character. Everything that character represents, I can't stand. But I don't just blast it because I don't like it. I I try to give a critical eye of why does it exist in the Star Wars universe? What is which, it about uh, it I don't like about it? Which uh, which Solo? Solo? Yeah. Yeah. They had a robot named L337 in Solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so dumb. Yeah. Do you guys know what L337 yeah. is? I always no. want to think square, but go ahead. It's a gamer thing. It spells leet. Huh. Mm. It's ga- it's gamer speak. <laughs> or or as, as as became popular on the internet in the late 2000s and, and early 2010s, uh, referred to as leet speak, it's where oh. you where, where you would take uh, letters and transpose them with numbers that look sort of like said letters. Oh, but yeah, she was the uh, the droid. She was in the movie uh, Lando's uh, co-pilot, and eventually her her mainframe, her mind or whatever, was uploaded to the Falcon itself. So that was kind of a way of them saying whatever um, CPO thro- C3PO makes the comment of this your uh, computer has a very peculiar c- peculiar dialect this is why and there's also the idea that um, Lando and the LL37 had a relationship is also applied Healthy also a relationship applied. yeah Wait, is it, is it is it LL37 or L337? L337. L337. Okay. L337. So, yeah, so that's lead. <laughs> yeah. So, that yeah. spells lead. So, you know, like, as that example, I try here on War of the Stars and with all of our podcasts, even if I don't like something, I try to at least be critical about it, like constructive criticism, as opposed yeah. to just, I hate it, it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Star Wars fandom, on the other hand, there are some toxic people in this fan base that even have podcasts or whatever that if they don't like something, they'll blast the hell of it out of it just because they don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there, there's, there's that kind of stuff in, in just about every community. Yeah. But it's very vocal in this community. And yeah. that's, that's why I say like, I would agree with you uh, normally that like you want to hear the criticisms, you want to hear your fan base, but Lucasfilm really can't fully take what is being said in the Star Wars communities because nine times out of ten, it's just people pissed off because their fan theories didn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a big problem uh, nowadays. 
Yeah. So everybody's got a theory. Yeah. So it's so it's so I'm hard to get you. you know constructive criticism from that. I'm looking at you, Ant Man Thanos people. Oh my God, the Ant Man butthole theory. Yes. Yes. You know, I watched a a, a thing on Facebook where uh, Graham Norton. Yeah. Interviewed uh, Paul Rudd and talked to him about that, and even Paul Rudd was like. Why can't it be the nose or the ear or something? Why did that? <laughs> well, uh, uh, Kyle. Um, damn, why am I blanking on his last name? Uh, the because science guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did, did an episode on it, and it turns out Ant Man wouldn't even be capable of doing it in the first place. Hmm. I'll have to look up that episode. Yeah, I'll have to too. So anyway, going back, back getting back to back to Luke. Um, I mean, yeah, I, early on, you know, you just see this kind of. He seems like he doesn't really know where. Like everything's happening so fast. I think, and you can see that, like, up until the actual trench run, it just seems like everything because that all happens within. Like, episode four basically happens within maybe a couple of days. If I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's it's a few days. Uh, well, depending on how long travel takes, but with hyper with hyperspace. Hyperspace, yeah. Uh, so let's say it takes. Pretty it was less than a week. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely the... they definitely showed that while they were traveling, they had downtime because yeah, uh, yeah. Obi Wan was training Luke on the. Falcon, and uh, yeah. I, be- I believe that's when we got the uh, the famous "Let the Wookie Win" line. Yes. yes, let the Wookie win, and the um, of course the the training of uh, him wearing the blast blast helmet, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was just really. I don't know. I mean, he definitely was the main character of Episode Four, but. He I was, mean, would you say would you say Luke was a likable character in Episode Four? Yes and no. He was a likable character because, like I said, he was designed to be an everyman. He was, when I was yeah. a, he was when a I te- was a te- go ahead. Sorry. When I was a teenager, yeah, he was a likable character. Now that I'm a little older, eh, he definitely had a lot of growing to do. Yeah, but you also got to take the archetypes that he was based off of. He was based off of things like King Arthur and and Beowulf and and the like, where he's mm-hmm. the everyman hero who was dragged into scenarios that he wasn't prepared for, and he had to step up and become the hero. Yeah. So from that aspect, in Episode Four, Luke was us. Yeah. In, in every way, shape, or form, and how we would react, pretty much how we would react in those scenarios. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of people may not have liked that because it is kind of a look at yourself and could I step up like that? <laughs> yeah. Would I be able to handle these things like he did? Mm-hmm. So some people may not like looking at that character in that aspect, but that's what he was designed to be. Yeah. So let's let's move forward then and look at how Luke matured and the changes that Luke went through in uh, Empire. And <laughs> I'd say reversion. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was the whole abandoning his training thing. Yeah. I wasn't even going there yet. His impatience, his, his refusal to listen to elders, uh, you know, his, his, his Gee, that rushing really familiar rushing in with, uh, without a plan or a thought like he yeah. did on cloud city and his battle with Vader, you know, um, he, he let himself be completely controlled by his emotions at that point. Well, so, I also, you, you, that, that was probably the point in the original trilogy where original trilogies where Luke was the most Anakin he could possibly be. Right. Yeah. And do you think that even though you really don't get see it a lot, do you think by that point he was starting to, because at that point he was the hero of the battle of Yavin. You know, he had, you know, he had gotten this commission and do you think he was starting to kind of believe the hype? Yeah. You know, like, Hey, I'm a hero. I'm all, you know, I'm, you know, Luke Skywalker, all this stuff, and it took Vader to kind of put him in his place. So it's, I think it's important to note that that uh, have you guys ever heard of the machete cut? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's it's a way of watching the tr- the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy in such a way that you don't watch them in order. You start with a new hope. And then after you finish A New Hope, in between watching A New Hope and an Empire Strikes Back, you watch Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So it doesn't spoil the whole Luke, I am your father moment at the end of Empire. Mm, and then you watch Empire and then and episode then, three. Then you watch Empire and episode three and finish up with Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And... Um, uh, my comment about Luke being his most Anakin in Empire, when you watch it via the machete cut of watching Phantom Menace and, and Attack of the Clones and then watch Empire, you can really see that mm. Luke is impulsive like his father was. He goes off half-cocked without a plan. Um, and... Uh, he lets his emotions rule his decision making. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I mean, we do have to think about it this way. At this point in time, up until he goes to Dagobah, or at least up until he's he's captured by the uh, the Wampa on Hoth and then escapes the Wampa. To that point, Luke thought his days of being a Jedi were done. Like he had a lightsaber, he had a couple like you know little tricks up his sleeve but his training days were done because the last Jedi is dead in Obi-Wan it wasn't until the force ghost showed up and said go to Dagobah and learn from Yoda that Luke realized I could keep going down this route but at that point I I forget how much time it passed between A New Hope and and Empire Strikes Back but uh, during that time he's just implied to be a few months Right, but during that time, he's he's accepted his new role as, I'm a pilot. So he's yeah. got that brash pilot's mentality as well. I'm yeah. no longer again, a Jedi following again, my dad's path. I'm a pilot and a hero. Well, yeah. it, it, honestly, that, that just made him follow Anakin's footsteps even more. Because Anakin was an ace pilot as well. 
before, yeah. you know, before he... Uh, I heard that laugh. You thought the exact same thing I did when you said that. Anakin was an ace pilot, too. I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> <laughs> Decisions made as a child notwithstanding. Hey, hey, spinning is a good trick. Even Palpatine used it. That's true. <laughs> Spin to win. <laughs> yes. What's that? It's blowing up from the inside. We didn't hit it. <laughs> now there's this a, is pod racing. Pod racing. There's a freaking eight-year-old with a, with a with a weapon of war in his hands. <laughs> Sorry. Like the the whole the whole scene of of Anakin in Phantom Menace with the with the Naboo starfighter is basically the equivalent of giving a uh, a, a toddler the keys to an F fifteen. Oh my god! Not that F not the, not that F 15s have keys, but you understand. <laughs> now, see, I would I would have been saying like something like giving uh, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone a gun, but wow. <laughs> why why an F fifteen? Why not an F one seventeen stealth fighter or or a B two bomber? <laughs> with Let's not payload, go crazy now. With a nuclear pay- payload. <laughs> well, Let's not go see, crazy now. The child the, the, the toddler is a lot less likely to actually manage to get a B two off the ground than an F fifteen. Not having any idea how any of them get off the ground or how easy or hard it is to do so. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I know how to make boats sink on purpose. I don't know how to make them. Fl- I don't know how to make ships fly. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it'd still be about the same chances as the rat freeing Ant Man, but I mean, we're talking yeah. movie logic here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think you guys just hit it right on the on the nose with uh, Luke during this time, especially with with. Uh, Yuzef is, yeah, he was very much his father during this time period. Um, you know, he going was off. definitely Anakin before the fall. And I think that yeah. was intentional because mm-hmm. um, George Lucas had had episodes one through six written mm-hmm. before, you know, the, the original trilogy uh, was was filmed and made. He decided mm. to go with the episodes four, five, and six for the original trilogy uh, instead of going with the earlier episodes because it uh, it was easier for the audience to get involved. Yeah, uh, because of Luke's character, like Chris said in the, in the, in A New Hope, he was a mirror. He was a mirror for the audience. Yeah, and uh, it it wasn't until uh, Empire Strikes Back that they started drawing those parallels to his father. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't see that until the prequels. Yeah, I don't think he had one, two, and three written out because I know the original trilogy was one movie that he separated into three parts. But he did know where everything came from. I think they were outlined. I don't think he actually wrote them yet, but he had outlines and beats that right. that he was following. Yeah. That's the but that's the can, only that's the only correction to your statement. But otherwise, you're absolutely correct. He he can, knew from gate how he wanted the story to go. Right. You can definitely yeah. tell that um, from the get go, he wanted those parallels between Luke 
and Anakin to be drawn. Because yeah. that's exactly what he did in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Is he he made that parallel exist. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's go into the beginning of Luke's training and uh, him meeting Yoda. <laughs> and, which is still one of my favorite scenes in, in Empire is... is that first interaction with him and Yoda, and you still, again, you get that impatient, impatientness. You get that, uh, this is so stupid. Why do I have to be here? Oh, uh, this is this is pointless. You know, I shouldn't have come. I should have done this. And yeah, it's. I mean, what did you guys think of that of, the, of that, that that whole scene? And. Uh, it- it was definitely necessary for Luke's growth as a character yeah. because he needed to complain the whole way with tra- with training with, with Yoda because mm-hmm. Yoda needed to whip him into shape. Yeah. And Yoda's training of Luke definitely affected Luke. You can see it a little bit mm-hmm. in uh, Return of the Jedi when he's in full swing of the, of the Jedi training and has taken the teachings to heart. As you can see, he's very, he's much more in control of his emotions than, uh, yeah. the first two films. And, uh, yeah. you know, almost to the point that he seems vaguely robotic, uh, in return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in, in, in the, uh, new films, uh, you can definitely see who trained him uh, in his scenes of training Ray. Oh yeah, yeah, and we'll get into that in a, a later episode. But you um, feel that? But, That's the force. Oh, it must be so strong. Smack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. You definitely cannot a convince Yoda. me that wasn't the most Yoda move he could have pulled. See, oh I, no! I argue the point that even though it was a very much a Yoda move, I I almost look at it as a break of character because I think that's very much Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. The only thing that would have made that scene better is if Mar- uh, if Mark Hamill had imitated Yoda <laughs> while he was doing that. <laughs> that would definitely have foreshadowed uh, Yoda's Force Ghost appearing. That would yeah. have been awesome. Feel that you do? <laughs> the force that is. The force that yes. <laughs> but uh, no, I I think when he first meets Yoda, we get the taste of uh, of as Zep called him earlier, the angsty teenager Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And of course, Yoda was merciless with it. Cause that was that was the best Yoda ever, Yoda. You know, yeah. with, with with just teasing him and and playing on words with him and. Getting into the, uh, the 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 tug of war with R two over a light, you yes. know, and you know. Also, can 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 we can we uh, talk about the fact that both Yoda and R two were trolling the fuck out of Luke the entire time? Oh yes. Oh, Obi uh, R two knew who who uh, Yoda was. From, oh yeah. From the moment Yoda showed up, he knew who he was. R two's a little dick. <laughs> Yoda knew who R2 was. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just that. Yoda knew who Leia was. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He just sitting back like, really? Okay. 
Sure, I'll let you two kiss. Go ahead. Well, he didn't meet Yoda at that point yet. Well, yeah. I'm, not, I'm saying that R2 knew who Leia was. Oh, true, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's like sitting back like, sure, yeah. Like, wait, they're kissing? Well, this is... <laughs> this is an interesting take. R2's a little prick, dude, because he, he, he knew so many things that could have saved so many problems in the galaxy. Such a dirty mouth, too. Yeah, they bleeped every word he said. But, uh, I mean... Just, just the way Yoda was, but yet he still passed on little nuggets of knowledge. Like, you know, when Luke's like, I'm looking for a great warrior. Oh, great warrior. Wars not make one great. Like, that was your first real clue that this character's Yoda. But Luke yeah. completely misses it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know. Yeah. Because of the fact that Luke's just, you know, in his self-pity and... and you know, a selfish stage, which we all go through. Well, Luke yeah. Luke had this idea of what the Jedi were in his head at that point. And he didn't realize that, you know, Obi-Wan wasn't really what I imagined a Jedi would be. Right. And he didn't, you know, make the logical leap of like, maybe they're not what I think they are. Because he's, he's heard stories about the Jedi being great warriors and, and blah, 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 and all this jazz. And the, the the most he ever saw of Obi-Wan in combat was up against Vader, where he disappeared into a robe. Yeah. Like... Now, do you think, do you think maybe, like, a little speciest uh, was in there, too, that maybe Luke was expecting Yoda to be a humanoid? Or not a humanoid, but a human. Yeah, yeah probably. Not yeah. a definitely. little, not a little frog creature with ears. I yeah. was, I, I definitely think Luke wasn't expecting the little green muppet. No, no. But I think the little green muppet is what he needed. Uh huh. Oh, absolutely. I, I especially mean... the, uh, especially the X-wing, uh, uh, lesson. Yeah. Size matters not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much wisdom that you can take. I mean, we, we probably will do a whole episode on Yoda because there's so much wisdom you can take from 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 his lessons that you know we, we can take of, you know, it doesn't matter how big, how big or small you are. Um, do or do not. You know, there's so many uh, nuggets of wisdom, but. Well, good, I get, good, good parenting, good parenting, good parenting yeah. came from Last Jedi. Yeah. Every parent could take a lesson from Yoda from Last Jedi. We are what they grow to become. Yeah. 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 No. Um, but I mean, you see that. I mean, even it ends. I thought. I think it's interesting that Empire ends really with Luke not really having learned his lesson. He yeah. doesn't learn. He doesn't learn the lessons of that Yoda was trying to, t- to teach him of don't be impatient, you know, go. And he goes off again, half cock to face down Vader. You talking about the well, training I, or the movie itself? Cause the movie the tra- itself, I would argue the training. Oh, the training. The, the, yeah, the learning his lesson of, of Yoda's teachings, uh, was definitely after he lost his hand to Vader. Yeah. Like that—that that was, that was probably the wake-up call. Yeah, 
that was rock bottom for for Luke. Yeah. Yeah, but that's how I mean, and even Lucas has stated before that that's how he set up, you know, the the trilogy was the first movie you're introduced to the characters, the second movie they get in the worst possible position they could possibly be in, and then the third one is the redemption story, them, you know, defeating the big bad empire. Right. That's just that's just the hero's journey right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that's your standard formula for the hero's journey. You're inter- you're introduced to your your plucky young hero who has no idea how adventuring or heroing works. Uh, they run into their main conflict and get curb stomped by the bad guy. They grow as a character and gain more power, and eventually they take on the big bad and emerge triumphant. Yeah. So, well, let's go into, now that we've kind of gone through, let's go into and um, Luke and Jedi. And I think this is the first time that you really see that he's matured. Oh, definitely. Like, from, from the, mean, the very beginning of Return of the Jedi, uh, you see that Luke has matured and that he is has taken the Jedi teachings to heart, especially yeah. in the way that he deals with Jabba the Hutt. Yes. Maybe with Jabba, but not with the uh, Gamorrean guards. That was very dark side coming in, and the first thing he does is force chokes two guards. I think by that time, though, Luke had, had was starting to take a very pragmatic view of the Force. Uh-huh. And, and I, I think, and I don't want to use the term gray, but I think he was still he was starting to see the the shades of gray in the Force. It was very Qui Gon Jinn of him. Yes. To walk up and and. It was the means to an end. I get the I get the reasoning. It's just like I get the reasoning for the the mind trick on Bib Fortuna, you know, the attempted mind trick on on. Jabba on Jabba making threats with the Jedi would not do was you know subversion and everything else, but the force choke is the only thing that I sat there and I'm like, eh. but then I realized he never fully became a Jedi until he cast his lightsaber. I know I'm getting ahead of us, but until he cast his lightsaber aside and chose not to kill his father. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. At that point is when he actually became a Jedi. At before then, and I guess you could call it his Jedi trial. Before then, he, he's kind of floating in the don't really know what he is yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, definitely more in control. On a different note, I mean, what was your your guys's like the first time you saw the green lightsaber? I and liked I, it, uh, but then again, green is my favorite color. So yeah. Like, the second he whipped out a green lightsaber instead of a blue one, I'm like, yes! Yeah. I, I was very young the first time I saw it, so I don't really remember. Um, Jedi, per, uh, for those who don't know, I've mentioned this before, Jedi is my personal favorite of the movies because it was the first live-action, quote-unquote, adult, grown-up movie I ever saw in theaters was Return of the Jedi. So it holds a very special place in my heart, personally. Uh, I was like, oh, I would have been... Six years old. Six years old. 
Yeah. I think my favorite part of the reveal of his new lightsaber was that R2 just launches it. Yeah. <laughs> From inside of some storage compartment inside R2. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I liked it, but of course I never picked this, picked this up until the prequel trilogy. You realize that it, the hilt of the green lightsaber was very much based on Obi-Wan's hilt. Yeah. Well, if you go into the uh, the canon books and the canon, he got that, the, like the crystal and everything like that, and learned how to make it from reading the uh, all the stuff that all the uh, books and the journals that Obi-Wan had kept on Tatooine. No, that is correct, but I'm saying he could have fashioned his lightsaber like his father's. He could have fashioned his lightsaber in any means, but he purposely designed a hilt like Obi-Wan's. Because I think I think that goes, you know, Obi-Wan was the first one to start training him, and he's the one that really influenced him the most, I think, as far as going on, you know, starting this journey and becoming, you know, trying to become a Jedi. I agree. I just... You're right. Yeah. It just goes... Uh, all I was trying to point out was... Uh, it just goes to show how much he still held Obi-Wan in a very high regard and esteem. Even if Yoda is his, is his master at this point, he still has that affinity and affection for Obi-Wan. Yeah. Now, here's the other question is, as we go into the training, uh, the you know Luke going back to Dagobah and finishing up his training, is... Do you think when when Luke said, you know, you know, ended his training and went went you know to find, um, uh, to fight to, to confront Vader and said they're still good in him. Do you think that the Force Ghost of Obi Wan and Yoda thought this kid's dead? It's a possibility. Probably. I think, I think Obi Wan definitely wanted to believe that there was still good in Anakin. That Anakin was still in there somewhere. Yeah. I I I think I think they were they were saying we may have screwed up. I really do. I think that's why they were you know even at the end of uh, Empire when he's heading off and it's like you know. They thought it he was, was our last then. hope. He was our last hope. It's like no, there's another. Meaning Leia. Of course, we don't know that yet. Yeah, I think I think they definitely were saying, you know what, this one's too far gone. Yeah. I think I think they were having an Uncle Owen moment moment, in the sense yeah. that like that he's heading down the path of his father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, of course, him resi- resisting the temptation after d- discovering the truth and everything, and pretty much finishing his training on his own while preparing to try to rescue Han and, and everything proved that he wasn't like his father. But yeah. at at that moment in time, I think Force Ghost, uh, Obi-Wan, and Yoda were both like, well, back to the drawing board. Where's that girl? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were sitting there going, trust in the force, trust in the force, trust in the force. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course we have that, of course, climactic battle on, um, 
called the second Death Star. And I mean, to me, I, I'll put this to you. Which duel did you like best? Did you like the, the, the duel on Cloud City or the duel on the second Death Star? I liked the duel on the second Death Star. Better. Yeah. It depends on what I'm looking at. If I'm looking for technicality, I think uh, Cloud City's battle was a lot better. But for the purpose of storytelling and and emotion, oh Death, yes. Death Star Two all day. I'm sorry, that line, the line of uh, "I am a Jedi like my father before me" still sends chills down my spine. That is just when he tosses that lightsaber and says, "I'm a I'm a Jedi like my father before me." That's just one of the coolest lines in movie history, in my opinion. See, the, the part that always sticks out to me in that whole lightsaber battle is when Vader's taunting him and senses about Leia and it says, oh, sister, you got a sister. Well, fine. Oh, if yeah. If you don't turn to the dark side, maybe she will. And then Luke ignites and screams no. And the battle that, uh, you know, happens after that point to the point of, you know, him throwing that lightsaber away. Just the yeah. raw emotion. Each movement was just, you could feel... The, the the turmoil within Luke. Yeah. That he was and then looking his down. Control. Yeah. And then looking when he when he finally knocks Vader down and chops off his hand, he looks and sees the 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 you know, the, the Luke his arm and the, the the wires coming out of it and everything like that and he realized I'm just like my father. Mm-hmm. But right before right before that point, when every strike there's just wild abandon. Yeah. He was he was he was in rage mode. He was in if he was Wolverine, he was in Berserker mode. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. He was the, just the f- driven by fear and anger and rage. That and it completely overwhelmed Vader. Yeah. The 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 fight the fight on the second Death Star is why I completely buy his character arc for that they had for the newer movies but we'll mm-hmm. get to that later oh, but, yeah. um, Luke was definitely wild and impulsive again just like Anakin was uh, very very close to the the end of his arc for the prequels yeah. and uh, the look of horror on, on Luke's face when he realizes that he is just like Anakin that yeah. he tosses the lightsaber away and delivers the line. You can see the mo- there's a look of horror and then he composes himself and throws the lightsaber away. Yeah. It's like well, can we- you can see that the, there's the thought in his head of I am a Jedi. This is not the way. And the fact that he says I am a Jedi like my father saying yeah, almost telling, almost looking at Vader and says, "You still, there's still, you're still in there. You are still a Jedi. I am like you. We are Jedi. We're, you're not this. You are a Jedi." Well, even even before, like we talk about, like Luke's reactions and everything. At that particular pivotal moment, Vader hasn't flipped back yet. But can we just yeah. take for a moment that even Vader probably had that proud daddy moment? Like I just got my ass kicked by my kid. Yeah. Holy shit, is he strong? Uh-huh. Yeah, you know there there was a proud daddy moment there. Oh yeah, I'm sure. 
you know, but yeah, but at the you know, he he tapped into a, a territory that Luke would never be free from. Well, and I, I we'll talk about this because I uh, eventually also want to go back and relook at Anakin again. Um, we've already looked at, at him a little bit in our, one of our earlier episodes. Go back if you haven't listened to it. Go back in the archives and find it. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Um, but I want to eventually go back over that because I think there's a lot of stuff that we probably missed on Anakin. Um, <laughs> but you can see that he almost like he gave him every opportunity to walk. He gave him several opportunities to walk away when he tells him, especially whenever the, they see each other and they're on uh, the force move of indoor and he's taking him up to the Death Star and he says, you know, I sense the conflict in you. And he says, there is no conflict. He's like, there's still good in you. I feel it. And, and it, Vader has the line. It's too late for me. Almost like he's saying, it's too late for me. It's not too late for you. I would I would take that from there, except then then the dark side takes over on Anakin. Yeah. Where he tells him, you know, the the emperor is now your master. He's going to show yeah. you the true nature of the force. Like yeah. Vader may have been wrestle, wrestling with that small amount of light, that flame that hasn't gone out yet. But mm-hmm. at the same difference at that point, he was still very much a slave to the dark side. And yeah. to him, it was more along the lines of it's too late for me to go to the light. But you could come over here where we got cookies. Yes, chocolate chips. Yeah. Also, also, we have we have to know that at this point, Vader understood that Palpatine followed the rule of two. Yeah. Meaning that somebody was gonna have to die in order for Luke to exactly become but, an apprentice of the dark side. Right, and in Vader's mind, the person that had to die was the Emperor. Yeah, right. But the only way Palpatine could die is if Vader was, or, or if Vader was able to convert Luke, so that way they could rule the galaxy, as he said, an empire as father and son. And son, yeah, right. You know, Vader didn't want the Emperor to die unless Luke was converted. Yeah. But then again, but then that was always the point of the Rule of Two was that the the apprentice was supposed to kill their master and then become the master of the new apprentice. Yeah. And then the cycle was supposed to repeat itself eventually once the apprentice was strong enough to kill the master. Yeah. It was this whole thing of, you know, eventually that you get like this all powerful Sith. Right. Yeah. That was the whole idea of each generation is successively stronger than the last. Yeah. And each master went in knowing that eventually he would be overtaken. And they, the Sith accepted that. That eventually, I think up until Palpatine, I think because Palpatine was trying to, Palpatine and of course um, his master were both trying to live forever to kind of avoid that so that there would just be them and their apprentices. Well, you also got to remember too, and and we're going to be delving into this with Benioff and Weiss, Palpatine's uh, difference from the normal Sith traditions was Palpatine was trying to bring back the Sith Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Most other Sith with the master and apprentice mentality was simply becoming that much more powerful on the dark side. Palpatine had leadership aspirations. Palpatine had uh, control the galaxy aspirations. 
Yeah. You know, Palpatine, Palpatine was more ambitious than your typical Sith, except for the Old Republic Sith, where there was an actual empire before the rule of two, where yeah. they did control galaxies and systems and, and things of, and things of that. You know, um, that's Palpatine. Palpatine didn't necessarily he believed in the rule of two, but he didn't believe in it in the way that normal Sith believed in it. Which is also yeah. the reason why he was able to get one over on Darth Maul and over on Darth Tyrannus, a.k.a. Count Dooku. Mm-hmm. Because he taught them the rule of two, but then he didn't follow it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, thought, I think it would be kind of interesting. Uh, I would like to end this on, you know, when we see Luke at the very end of Empire, or of Jedi... Of you know the whole celebration scene on Endor, yub nub, and then seeing you know his father you know fully restored to the Force. Well, let's go back and let's talk about the taking off of the mask and how. What do you think that meant for Luke to see his father's face for the first time? Well. Think of it. I hate to cross over to to the previous uh, podcast that we had, but think of it like the first time you saw your mother, mm-hmm. your, your biological mother. Yeah, Luke had never seen his dad. Yeah, and even even in canon, that's that's known. You know, Padme gave birth to Luke and Leia on an asteroid after Vader had already converted and was getting turned into the man in the Iron Lung. Yeah. He had never seen his father until that moment. Yeah. Yep. So that had to In be In fact, he, Vader wasn't even notified wasn't even uh told of Padme's fate until after he was more machine than man. Yeah. You know, so so for Luke that had to be a world-changing revelation to actually look into the eyes of his father for the first time. Yeah. And do you think that... First and last time. Yes. And do you think looking into those eyes and seeing that, okay, my father, he's gone back to the light side, he's at peace now, he's you know one with the Force, that we see that reflected in Luke's face at the very end. And I think it's very interesting to see this very calm... I would say happy, but like at peace, Luke, at the end of Jedi, and then juxtapose that to foreshadowing uh, the Luke we get in a uh, Last Jedi, and I think uh, next time we're going to we're that's foreshadowing for our third episode, but uh, next week we're going to look at the way. The old EU legends treated Luke Skywalker, and the myth of Luke Skywalker. Well, let me let me foreshadow both episodes with one little statement that I'm sure you guys know, but just for our listeners that may not. In the original script, Luke was uh, when Luke said goodbye to Vader, and Vader died on the Death Star. Luke took the mask, put it on, and declared that he is now Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. It was originally intended for Luke to replace his father. 
Something, something to think about, guys. He wasn't supposed to end the hero. Hmm. In the original well, draft of the script, yeah, he was not supposed to end the hero. Hmm. Well, that would be interesting way of playing it and subverting the hero's journey. Yeah. Well, that could be an interesting one for if we ever do another what if series. What if Luke Skywalker had become Darth Vader? That would have been terrifying. Which is one of oh, the yeah. reasons, which is one of the reasons that I personally have defended the sequel trilogy Luke Skywalker because I remember the original I've seen the script of the original story arc for Luke. Yeah. And some of the stories in the EUs that we'll be talking about next week. Well, until then, uh, Chris, why don't you tell people where they can find you at on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find me anywhere you see Realm of the Mists Entertainment, uh, right here on the YouTube channel or wherever quality podcasts are heard on Anchor FM. Uh, go ahead and give us a support. We'd love it. Uh, and also... In the description down below, check out our main website where you can find all of our platforms as well as updates of all the great stuff that Realm of the Mist provides, including video game Let's Plays, podcasts, and even weekly blogs by some of us, um, as well as personal information on some of the uh, podcasters. And also make sure you check out that merch page where we do are starting to put out some merchandise, including Kristen Stovall's Song of Souls trilogy books with April, uh, August 15th uh, great, fastly approaching for book three and the finishing of her trilogy. You guys may want to pick up book one or two. As well as the first of series of shirts that will be released by Realm of Miss Entertainment. We have the War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast t-shirt. Yes. Which is available custom order. So you have, to contact, right. you have to contact us, let us know your size, and we will take care of the rest. So guys, make sure you hit that description, uh, that link in the description down below and check out the website. Go to the merch page and get your Star Wars shirt. Personally, right. I can't wait. Personally, I can't wait until we have enough running gags going where we can start making t-shirts out of those. Yes. <laughs> well, I already, I already have one. It's the uh, Stuff of That Nature shirt. Well, it's not—it's not, it's not made, but it, it's definitely a shirt that would have to be made because, because of how many times I've used that line in past podcasts, that it's become a drinking game. It really has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, is that and... what the take a drink guys was for? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was for. Every time I catch myself saying stuff of that nature, you'll hear me say, "Take a drink." Take a drink. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Zephyr, where can people find you at? Obviously, they can find me on the Press A Gaming podcast uh, every other Friday uh, on Realm of the Mist and uh, any podcast they happen to Shanghai me into at the time. Uh, also, you can find me on Twitter at Zephyr Zero. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter machine at John Mark Tolly One because I am, of course, the number one John Mark Tolly on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook at Mark Tolly and on Instagram at John Mark Tolly One. Uh, anywhere fine podcasts are heard here on Realm of the Mist, wherever, whatever I get a chance to be on them. And of course, we're right here every week on War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. And as always, remember, this isn't just your Star Wars. This isn't just my Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Always.
Why didn't the three little pigs go in for some kind of flat share scheme? Does Jesus get to choose which one he turns it into? Why don't Sims have the upper body strength to climb out of a swimming pool? And does everybody really want to be a cat? I'm Will Baker. And I'm Alex Prescott. And if you're the type of person that thinks these deep philosophical questions, then Think to the Brink is the podcast for you. From Disney characters to song lyrics to beats to social etiquette, tune in every week for your dose of paralysis by analysis. All topic suggestions are welcome. If you think it, we can overthink it. Think to the Brink. Available on all podcast platforms. Hey everyone, this is John Tolley, inviting you to check War Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Each me and my co-host Christopher Stolly discuss the news and the surrounding one of the franchise movie franchise world every Wednesday at 8 Eastern at far, far away, right here in and wherever fine podcasts are heard. You know, needs eating vape juice or new mod. Go to Vape Scorpion, 0859 Boston Avenue, Philadelphia, PA 19 Wilkes. They are formerly known as East Coast Vapor. They have all your needs, all the equipment, all just, And hey, while you're there, sit down, enjoy a beer, bring on, and just out with a bunch of cool people. If you need your next vape machine, or maybe you just want to try a loading juice, make sure you hit up Vape Scorpion. That's 1085 Boston Avenue, Philadelphia, PA 19116. Or give a call to 215-464-8273. Oh yeah, and make sure you let them know that Realm of the Mist Entertainment sent you. He said that he said how dare you say that? That's offensive. Well, someone's got to say it. It had to be said with Venus to the live show Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Check out the recordings at any time. Guest shows weekly. Listener, beware. Mature content. Sexual content. Trigger warning. Do you dare say it? Hi, my name's Chris. I'm here to see you about the podcast. Great entertainment from music, science, and many, many other forms of entertainment. As it takes currents and just general having. If you're looking for a podcast, your alley, look over than Realmist Podcast. Here, and FM, or word in past can be heard. Hi, this is Dave from the Comic Collection at 83 Bustleton Pike in Feasterville, Pennsylvania. Our phone number is 215-357-3332. We are right next to Northeast Philadelphia. We have action figures, gaming, statues, albums, and CDs, graphic novels, other knickknacks, and, of course, comics. Established in 1985, we are your go-to store. Come by and say hello. And say that the guys from RadioCast FM Radio sent you. The address again is 83 Bustleton Pike, Feasterville, Pennsylvania, or call 215-357-3332.
Turtle? Is that alright? <laughs> a fucking a three-eyed turtle. Who wants a mustache? Are you tired of the same old podcasts with no humor? Well, join us for After Hours, where everything is funny, at least to us, on Anchor.fm, and where quality podcasts How the fuck did we get on this? I don't know. He started this shit. It's their fault. Hey, everyone. This is Dak. This is Liam. And this is White People Shit. We are a weekly podcast. It means twice a week, you douche. Oh. Yeah, listen to us for a week. On Wednesdays, we talk about gay stuff, zombie, superhero sections, and on days we like a fucking furry. Just search look for the white and red pajamas. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. We believe in equal opportunity humor, where all things can be made fun of. So if your feelings get hurt and you're offended, you can always eat a dick.